In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you at our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you and for his sake forgives you all your sins. As a called and ordained servant of Christ, I therefore forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, of your bountiful goodness, keep us from all things that may hurt us, that we, being ready in both body and soul, may cheerfully accomplish whatever you would have us do. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The first lesson for the 19th Sunday after Trinity is written in the first book of Moses, known as Genesis, chapter 28. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south, All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will go and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second lesson is written in St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4. You were taught with regard to your former way of life 
to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand. Gospel according to St. Matthew, the ninth chapter. Glory be to you, O Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralytic lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven, or to say get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, then he said to the paralytic, Get up, take your mat, and go home. And the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to men. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ.
Grace and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. What seems to be the problem today? Or what would you like me to do for you? Or simply, how can I help? Is probably the way you and I would expect, what you and I would expect to hear when a man is carried, friends carry a paralyzed man to a famous healer. His chief complaint, his primary problem, is that he can't walk. Seems obvious enough to everyone involved, except perhaps Jesus. Though it cannot be that Jesus didn't notice that the man was paralyzed. But at least initially, Jesus doesn't even mention it. Instead, he looks at the man and he says, take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. Now, no one here today had to be carried in on a mat. But you've come to Jesus, likewise, with problems that you hope he can fix. You hope to get some help from him. Why else would you be here? At the very least, someone else thought you needed to be here. That is, they cared for you so much that they would have been willing to carry you in if needed. Because there is something wrong with you. There's something hurting you. Maybe it's evident. Maybe it's a broken body. Or, or a broken life or home. Maybe it's, maybe it's much less evident. A, a broken, hurting mind. Broken, strained relationships. Or, or perhaps you come and if we ask, what's your problem, how can I help? The problems that you'd list, you'd say the problem is with this crazy world or the crazy stupid people in it or our crazy government or some such thing outside of me. You're here with all these obvious problems and even more hidden ones. And once again, you've come and the first thing that Jesus says to you through his servant I forgive you all your sins. Matthew doesn't tell us what the paralyzed man thought when Jesus said this, but some of us probably thought it. What about my real problems? Can't you do anything about that? But what is your real problem? What is it that's really hurting you? You think that it's something that's happened to you or something that someone did to you. You might think that it's your paralysis or whatever brought you here or whatever's on your mind. In our collect for today, our prayer of the day, we, we prayed that the Lord God would keep us from all things that would hurt us. So if Jesus, your Jesus, leads with your sins are forgiven, don't you think he knows what's hurting you most? We aren't told what particular sins the paralyzed man even had. But don't you think Jesus knew? His paralysis was evident, it was obvious, it was visible. His sins, probably not. Because sin, we understand, doesn't start in our extremities and work its way in. It begins on the, outs, on the inside in our very self. And so St. Paul in our epistle today, he reminds these Ephesians, Christians, that with regard to sin, they are to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. In other words, your sinful self, your deceitful desires, you from the inside 
are being destroyed and hurt. Sin starts in the self, in the nature. And it manifests itself. It, it comes out by thoughts and actions. And St. Paul gives three examples. He says, put off falsehood. Speak truthfully to your neighbor. He says, in your anger, don't sin. Don't stay angry. He says, stop stealing and go to work. Now, like I said, I don't, we don't know how the paralyzed man reacted to Jesus' words, and we don't know what his sins may have been. We're not told all that much about the paralyzed man. What we hear, what we do see, is the reaction of these teachers of the law. It says, they said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. They heard what Jesus said. And immediately they formed in their minds an opinion about it. An opinion which they didn't dare share with Jesus. So they murmured their displeasure to each other. They said among themselves. They couldn't bring themselves to ask Jesus about it. Jesus, what did you mean? Or or tell him that they were so upset and give him a chance to teach them. And instead they secretly slandered him. They were angry, and in their anger they sinned. It says, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Well, Jesus said it, so we probably should say it out loud too. To say one thing and think another is falsehood, is evil. That doesn't mean that we always need to say everything that we think. But if you have something that needs to be said about someone, then you don't say one thing behind their back or under the breath and another thing to the person's face. It's true your victim may be none the wiser. Not yet, they usually find out. But Jesus knows evil thoughts. And he knows that they hurt everyone involved. Likewise, lingering unresolved anger hurts. Mostly you, but also the object of your wrath. And we can very easily be tempted to think that that whatever someone else did to us justifies our just anger against them and even our angry response. That's evil too. Stealing seems obviously wrong to us and fairly easy to avoid, we think, but, but when we remember that the opposite of stealing is to work. To do, as St. Paul says, to do something useful with your hands that you may have something to share with those in need. Jesus knows our evil thoughts that to receive, in order to receive good without the required work. Always wanting something for nothing. Or, or even when we do work, we do work, but only to amass stuff for ourselves without hardly a thought for my neighbor who is in need. St. Paul writes to Christians. He says, with regard to your former way of life, but your former way of life still has a sinful flesh that lives yet He encourages them, put off your old self. Put it away. Cut it out. Stop it. Unfortunately, even if we wanted to, we couldn't. Our sinful nature is our sinful nature. It is our flesh. It is our very self. We are as unable to control our sinful self by nature as a paralytic is to control his legs. Not on our own. But if Jesus, unless Jesus makes us new, unless Jesus himself gives us a new self, a new nature, 
by taking all of our sins with all of our desires all the way down to our core, taking all of it and nailing it to his cross, atoning for our sins by his precious blood, dying the death we deserve and drowning our sinful self in his sacrifice. That is, unless in repentance and faith come to him, even be brought to him, and Jesus say to this repentant sinner, to you, take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. That's what you need. Then you are made new. And not just on the outside, not not in outward behavior, but as St. Paul says, in the attitude of your minds. Made, made, made new all the way down to the very center of your being, newly created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. To be sure, those teachers of the law, they don't receive this. Their sins, they had them too, known only to themselves and Jesus. They follow them, stick to them. They are not repentant, they do not believe and are not forgiven. St. Matthew tells us that it was, it was faith that brought Jesus, the, that, that man to Jesus that day. It says that Jesus, when he saw their faith, that word could, could mean that he's talking about just the man's friends who brought him, or it could be the whole group, including the paralyzed man. They come in faith. Even if they didn't come specifically looking for forgiveness, they came looking for healing, their faith and their trust in Jesus was willing to receive what Jesus wanted to give. What Jesus knows that we need. What a wonderful thing. To have friends of faith that will, that will carry us along when needed, carry us to Jesus, come to us with, to, to church with us, bringing us to Jesus. And while the miracle of of physical healing taught, it was a lesson taught to the teachers of the law that they were wrong about Jesus, that he was and did have the authority on earth to forgive sins. It was also a delightful gift to a forgiven sinner. Forgiveness already gave him a new life, new hope, new strength, new powers. Now he could walk. Now he could carry his own mat. Now he could go home, do his own work, something useful, and share with ones in need. Forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ is itself new life. It is itself healing for what hurts you most. But Jesus also blesses us with the ability to do what we couldn't do before or wouldn't do before. To speak the truth. To let go of anger. To work for the good of others. No no matter what we came expecting, may we always receive in repentance and faith what Jesus has and wants to give the forgiveness of sins. And then, with a new heart, a new life, a new self, pick up your mat and go home. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Join now in confessing the Christian faith using the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty.
Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Create in us clean hearts, O God, by the forgiveness of your Son, that we may put off the old ways of sin and walk in the way of his commandments. Lord, in your mercy, we glorify you, Lord God, that you have given such authority to men to forgive sins in the name of Jesus Christ, whose blood has made atonement for the sins of the world. Focus every word and deed of your ministers in the church toward this office of the keys, that the gospel may predominate in our worship and life together. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, you call your children to put off the old man of sin daily and live together in the forgiveness of sins. Fill our homes with your Holy Spirit. Leave no place for the devil, but work your righteousness and holiness among us. Lord, in your mercy, Almighty God, preserve the lives of our president, our governor, and all our leaders, even as you rule the world by your mighty power. Be pleased to give wisdom to our nation, that it may have peace and success accordance with your commandments. Lord, in your mercy, Holy Father, how awesome is this place, the very house of God in the gate of heaven. For here, according to your word, your Son is bodily present with us in the sacrament of the altar. Bring us in repentance and faith to eat and drink worthily at his supper this day. And through its forgiveness and healing, put off the old self and be renewed in true righteousness and holiness. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, your healing and forgiving are united in the ministry of your Son, Jesus Christ. Make us whole through the reception of his grace and spread it abroad for the comfort of those broken by this world. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and everlasting God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who out of love for his fallen creation, humbled himself by taking on the form of a servant, being, becoming obedient to death, even death upon a cross. Risen from the dead, he has freed us from eternal death and given us life everlasting. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song. Blessed are you, O Lord of heaven and earth. We praise and thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ. And we remember the great acts of love through which he has ransomed us from sin, death, and the devil's power. By his incarnation, he became one with us. By his perfect life, he fulfilled your holy will. By his innocent death, he overcame hell. By his rising from the grave, he opened heaven. Invited by your grace and instructed by your word, we approach your table with repentant and joyful hearts. Strengthen us through Christ's body and blood, 
and preserve us in the true faith until we feast with him and all his ransomed people in glory everlasting. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Therefore, O Lord, according to his institution, we, your servants, celebrate here before your divine majesty with these, your holy gifts, the commemoration your Son has willed us to make. Remembering his blessed passion, mighty resurrection, and glorious ascension, we give you most hearty thanks for the innumerable benefits he has secured for us. And we humbly ask you to grant that by his merits and death and through faith in his blood, we and your whole church may receive forgiveness of sins and all other benefits of his passion. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
We give thanks, O Lord, for the foretaste of the heavenly banquet that you have given us to eat and to drink in this sacrament. Through this gift, you have fed our faith, nourished our hope, and strengthened our love. By your Spirit, help us to live as your holy people until that day when you will receive us as your guests at the wedding supper of the Lamb, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Good morning. I'd like to read to you a letter that I sent uh, to the congregations in, in Nebraska concerning the call that they had issued to me. The past few weeks have given me a wonderful opportunity to marvel at the way our Lord Jesus cares for his church. He sends shepherds to care for his flock, and that flock in turn cares for its shepherds. This is what he has done in every age and will continue to do according to his promise. These weeks have also given me the opportunity to come before the throne of our Heavenly Father in prayer for the church in all places, but especially for the church in Grafton and Geneva, Nebraska, and in Wood Lake, Minnesota. I have decided to decline the call to serve among you in Nebraska and therefore continue my service among the saints here in Wood Lake. Yet I will continue to pray that Jesus sends to you a pastor according to his gracious will. I would Thank you for your prayers and thoughts uh, during this time and ask you to continue to pray for all of our churches uh, that they would re receive shepherds uh, in the Lord's time. Uh, today is the third Sunday, so it's our Sunday for a potluck meal. You're all invited to, to join us for that, especially our, also our guests invited to stay for a meal if you're able. God be with you.